Thank you, Barry. Uh, you passed. You got an A with all of those names. That's a, um, an exam for uh, Bible literacy to be able to uh, pronounce some of those names. Uh, this morning, I want to introduce you in this series to a man with two names. And it's only an introduction, though, because his life is found in Genesis 11 through Genesis 25. Now, that's 14 chapters in God's big book. And that is, if you were to try to take those chapters, those 14 chapters, and compare them to a biography, and there's still so many details that we don't have contained about his life, it would be more historic, biblical real estate than anyone else occupies other than Jesus. So there's a lot to say about Abraham, but more importantly uh, is this man's faith. This man's faith to follow God is the very water spring that began Christianity. There's three major religions that trace their founding to Father Abraham. Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. And by the way, it is in that order. Abraham would be, as it were, the first line of the Jewish race. And then later, many, many years forward with Jesus Christ, out of the line of Abraham, Christianity is born. And then many, many, many years later, Islam would trace its founding back to the line of Abraham, but not through the son Isaac, but Ishmael. But I'm wondering, I'm giving you more details than an introduction uh, would allow. Abraham uh, placed his faith in God's promises with trust that God would keep his promise to even he, an obscure man, and that he would make him into a great nation. If you look into the scripture in verse 2, it says, I will make of you a great nation, I will bless you, and I'll make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And that's, that's the energy behind this aspect of the covenant promise is to bless and to create a nation that will impact and influence all surrounding nations, even the world. For you see, God has never forgotten his original covenant with Adam. You might recall just by way of review this morning that the big covenant promise of God is this. I will be your God and you will be my people. And we've seen in previous weeks that the first promise, the first covenant promise was to Adam. I will preserve you. And then last, the last time we looked at Noah, uh, excuse me, Adam said I will create you. I create you in my image. I will walk with you in the garden. And then we get to Noah where he needs to preserve man. He didn't just start over with no one, a new creation, but he preserved Noah and his family and said, I'm going to keep my promise. And then this week we're going to see that with Abraham, he made a promise that I will make my people a great nation. 
a great nation that will be led by God. But God, in order to do this promise, in order to complete it, He has to call a man. He has to start somewhere. He has to make a choice. It starts with a person, a family, a race, a lineage, a nation. So this morning, I want you to take away from a consideration of Abraham's faith three observations that promise a very rewarding benefit for your own faith. For you see, the call, the promises made, and God's keeping these promises, they're passed along throughout the ages. They're not just for Abraham. And as we're going to see, God has kept his promise not only to Abraham, but it impacts us in that God has made a covenant promise with all people that he has called. And he will fulfill them. He will fulfill all aspects of the covenant promises. So it's not just to Abraham, it's to us and my faith. So we can take away certain considerations from Abraham's faith, from the specific promises that were made to him, and the fact that God does keep his promise. And all that is required... All that is required to be able to benefit from these promises, from this covenant, is faith. And in looking to Abraham, we see that it was simply faith. It wasn't a theological education. It wasn't works of righteousness. It wasn't even that he was a good people among a bad people. He was just chosen. He was just an obscure person that God chose to put his grace and call him and then he responded in faith. So I want you to see God's call to Abraham. I want you to see God's promises to Abraham. And I want you to see God's keeping his promise. That's where we're going. Um, But first, I do think it's helpful just by way of review that you be reminded again that this nucleus of this promise began in Genesis. Because there was another chosen person that would be years in the future that God was acting upon. And that's the redemption story that really begins in Genesis 3, verses 15, where he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you, the devil, shall bruise your head his head. And so we see that uh, Jesus, even in the garden, even in the garden with the first promises made to Adam and then subsequently with Noah and then with Abraham and then as we'll see with Moses and David and finally Jesus, the, the, the fruition of it, that it was all in order to fulfill God's promise His promise to walk with man forever. And in order to do so, he would fulfill the covenant. And he would deliver to us a redeemer promised in Jesus. But to get there, one of his means is to build a great nation. So let's begin looking at first God's call to Abraham and then to the specific promises that we can put our confidence in, 
as well as uh, fuel for fresh obedience. Well, Abraham's call. All right, in verse 1, if you look at verse 1, the original would be better to read, get you out. Instead of simply go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land, get you out. Or as we might in the south, and particularly Charleston, try to be a little more polite, we would say, come on out of there. Come on. Let's go. The trick is, is that the verbiage here is both a command and an invitation. Now, it might strike you as how it can be both. Well, it's a command because it's God's word. And God as a creator and we as his creation come far and away under every word of his being a command. If God says, we're to trust it, we're to obey. Creator, creature. It's a command. Well, it's also, however, an invitation. You see, Abraham could say no. And he could say to God's word, no. I don't want to go. Now, I don't want to I don't want to uh, leave you in a muddle here, but look at what God was asking him to do. In verse uh, 1, he's saying, "I want you to leave three things. I want you to leave your country, your kindred, and your father's house to go to the land that I am going to show you, but not now." That land would be Canaan, that land would come to bear the synonym or the, the, the delightful term of the promised land. God is promising him a land, but in order to receive this invitation, he's commanding him, you must leave and you must go. You've got to leave your country, you've got to leave your kindred, you've got to leave your father's house. Now this is in contrast, if you have a, a Bible... You can look up in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 11, verse 4, this is in contrast to what was going on at that time. You've got a a group, a large group of people who are trying to build their own city with with a ziggurat or a tower, a fortress city, a refuge, a place where they can feel safe, They are networked with one another. They all speak the same language. And verse 4 says that they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the whole face of the earth. Don't miss the point that they wanted to make a name for themselves. Well, I, uh, I noted yesterday, um, I, was, I, I heard a news article about uh, Joe Thiesman. Now, I'm not a sports uh, enthusiast, but I do like human interest stories. And Joe Thiesman was a quarterback for Notre Dame. He was an All-American. And for the Heisman competition that year, he was in the running. And there was a, one of the, the men, one of the coaches 
who loved marketing and public relations, came to Joe Thiesman and he said, you're in competition for the Heisman. I want to start pronouncing and publishing your name, not as Joe Thiesman, but as Joe Theisman. Joe Theisman for the Heisman. Joe Theisman for the Heisman. And we all know him today for Joe Theisman. Well, he, short story, he didn't get the Heisman Trophy that year. Another uh, quarterback did. But he laughed about it a year later and said, you know, that's where trying to change your name or make your own name will get you. Well, God could not look to man. He couldn't look to man to follow him, to make his own nation that would be with him, to be his own kingdom people, because our hearts, my heart, your heart, has a bent and a penchant to use our network, to use our family, to, 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 to use our own energies to make ourselves safe, to make ourselves comfortable, or to make ourselves great. God cannot look to man to make themselves great and him great. So God was looking for a man. He was looking for a man that he could invite and say, I want to make you great, but I want the glory to be reflected to me that I am drawing very near to make you into a great person, a great family, a great nation, in order that you will honor me and reflect that I'm a great God. And in that will be the witness to the nations. This morning, I would say that in a nutshell, what we're talking about is election. God chooses, God calls, God puts forth the initiative, He takes the first step, and then we hear and we leave, we respond, we leave our former energies and designs of making our own selves great, and we follow Him. So it's important to observe that obedience seems to flow like warm water after a step of faith. Faith first, trust first, then sacrifices are going to seem smaller to you because they no longer seem to give you the very promises of God that you were designed for. Let me ask you, does your life lack a general confidence in living as a follower of Christ in today's world? You know, we don't live in a Christian world anymore. In other words, are you more of a secret, private Christian than known to be like Abraham who has left a former life or a former family and left the country to walk with God all the way to the promised land? So, let's just camp out on the fact that God has personally chosen us. He's chosen you by name, by person, not just wave his hand and say, all of them, all of two rivers. It's as personal as it was with Abraham. And 
that should make a difference. That should make a difference. That should grow us in confidence to say, He didn't choose me because I was good. He chose me out of His great love. And my response then is obedience, but it's not a, an obedience as, as hard as it was prior to knowing the love and the intimacy of His personal choice. Well, got to keep moving along here. Secondly, I want you to see this morning, and we can only look very briefly at the promises. So what exactly was the covenant promise that he made to Abraham? In verse 2, you see three very specifics of the grand old promise. That here we find that the three specifics are this. I'm going to... Well, did you get the slide? Can I have a slide this morning? Okay, got it. Thanks, Trey. I'm going to make, first of all, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And we see this over in Galatians. I mean, you can look these up on your own. But in Galatians, we find that our own salvation as Christians is in the line of Abraham. So much so that though we were Gentiles, not Jew of the Jewish race, and excuse me if you are of the Jewish race this morning, but I didn't mean to minimize you, but the majority of us are Gentiles. But we are counted by God now because of our faith in Jesus Christ as in the line of Abraham. We can truly say that we are a part of the nation that came out of Abraham's very loins. Matthew 1, verses 1 and 17, this is the genealogy of Christ. And it, it repeatedly says that the name Abraham represented the messianic line such that Jesus himself would have come out of the seed and the offspring of Abraham. Wow, what a great name to a man who was a journeyer, a sojourner. He lived in a tent. And he didn't have a child until after 90 years of age. We're told that when they left Egypt, that, there were, that they had become so abundant. And this would have been the great-grandchildren of Abraham, that they were so abundant that they covered the land. From one child, Isaac, to all of these children, a great nation, a great name, now Israel. And then a blessing. James 2, verse 23 is worth reading. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. This was the personal blessing to Abraham was not only his salvation. And again, remember that all that was required was trust. A willingness to follow he didn't have time or, or years to study God's word. But here, God spoke to him and said, Leave, go in pursuit of this land that I've promised to you. And verse 4 says, he went. And one of the blessings, one of the specific covenant promises, I will bless you. In verse 3, 
I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And he's saying, I want the nations to see how I treat my friends, my children, my people. I want them to see that I'm more than a king, I'm a father, that I'm a good and loving God. And it all began with the call of Abraham, and he responded, and then the promises that he was responding and putting his faith in. And those promises are still with us now. Palmer Robertson says that every one of the six covenants contain the Emmanuel principle. That is, God with us. Us. Not just Abraham, but all of his offspring. That's why we're doing this series at Christmas time. Because it's a forecasting that God is going to get back and He's keeping His promise to dwell with us, to be our God and for us to be in His people, His kingdom, with Him in our midst. From one man came the many. Well, as this is just an introduction to this rich, rich life of Abraham, I'll simply mention in general, that these three promises, once again, are very specifically visited and promised to us. We don't have to look to make ourselves into a great nation. We're a part, I believe we're a part of a great church, but there are churches all throughout the Charleston region that are Christ-honoring churches. They are a, we're a part of that nation. And across our, the world, Every church that honors Christ, every church that looks to Christ in faith for the forgiveness of sins, they're our brothers, they're our sisters. We're a great nation. And we have a name. We have a, a name that marks us out. Christian, Christ one. And we have a God that calls us His children, even more intimate than a friend. It bears mention that the geography that you're given here. The geography is, is very important. Um, this is a side road, and so I can't dwell on it. But who wrote Genesis? Moses. When did he write the Torah? During the Exodus journey. The people would have heard Moses either read what he was writing or teach it and expound upon it the very hearers following Moses through the wilderness, headed toward the promised land, could actually look and say, wow, Abraham, Father Abraham was here. And wow, he was here because he was following and trusting God's promise, though he never saw it realized in his lifetime. But we're getting close and we're finally going. In other words, we too can take these promises and say, on our journey, that there's certain landmarks that God is keeping His promises and God is fulfilling them to us nonetheless. So, again, there is a call upon someone's life and then there are promises that are made and this man responds in faith. But before I end, it's important that you note that God keeps 
His promises even when we don't. You see, a covenant promise, think of a wedding where the bride and the groom, they exchange vows and say, I will love, honor, respect you. I will cherish you. I will be faithful to you. And the other does the same. But in our vows to God, in our covenant relationship, time and time again, we break the faith. But God, in His grace, in His design, in His determination, He will never break promise. So much so that out of His grace, He will keep our end of the promise as well. Look at verse 9. We read that in verse 9 that Abraham journeyed on, still going on to the Negev. That's meaning that he, he is a sojourner. and He pulled up stakes and he's going again. He's going closer to the promised land. But then in verse 10, something happens. We believe that Abram would have had many, many... We're gonna, this is elsewhere in his bibliography, his biography. That we see that he, had, he was a very rich man. He had not only Lot with him, but he had lots. He had his family with him, his, his wife, Sarah. But he had lots of flocks, and he would have had tenders of the flock. And so there's a crisis to his faith, and we all experience this. But the crisis is, if he stays where he is, he's experiencing a famine. How will I feed my sheep? How will I then take care of of my family. So he goes to Egypt. But as he gets to Egypt, he is like today's refugees or migrants. He's a sojourner, so he's not going to be treated with the same rights or respect that the citizens are. And so he fears. And this is a very, very embarrassing embarrassing and humiliating record for Abraham. This man who's a giant and a father of the faith shows no faith when it comes to the fear of his life. And don't be distracted. Don't think that he made this covenant pact with Sarah to preserve their marriage. I love you so much. It's this marriage that I want to preserve. So to preserve our relationship, I'm going to give you, let's say that you're my sister. And in that way, if someone wants to take you, they will take you because you're my sister. They'll put you in their harem. You will sleep with them. But hey, I'll be respected then because I'm the brother of a cute gal. So, it wasn't that he was saving her head from the chopping block. He was trying to preserve his own. It's sad. But you know, it forced me this week, because it wasn't a moment that I'm proud for Abraham, but it forced me to see two things. In seeing the cowardice here of Abraham, of seeing the greatness of his faith to go out and leave his family and go to a land that he didn't even know that it was Canaan until he got there when God said, this is the land. He just kept journeying on until God said, stop. He went, he followed this giant of the faith that becomes the father, synonymous with faith, 
and all faithful to see him at this point full of fear and have no faith in God to protect him or his wife at all. But it forced me to observe something. Number one, Moses wrote this. And so this book, the Bible, that we hear God speak to us, God's words still speak to us, and we take it as God's word because it's no common book. Moses includes it. It's got integrity. It's honest. It's not fake news. Number two, God keeps his promises even when we don't keep our promise. Even when we fail in our faith, God still keeps faith. He still keeps us. It's not a very proud moment. But let the lesson and the observation um, hit home to us, particularly in our crisis of faith. It doesn't mean that you're such a bad Christian that you never can be. It, it's very normal. And I don't know what the crisis is, but you can measure your own crisis of faith as to what do you do when you're anxious? What do you do when you're angry? What do you do when you're strongly tempted? At this point, we could say that he was anxious about his life and he turned from God's, from clinging to God's promise to protecting his own name and to, to protecting himself. And it turned out, by the way, to be a disaster. And very sadly, it's almost like it's a trait with Abraham. He will do it yet again. But God never stops working with Abraham. And his faith grows. Let me conclude with three observations. Number one, like Abraham, over a long period of waiting, on waiting, 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 our faith is tested. It's being tested. And it will cause your faith not to diminish and disappear. But it will cause your faith to grow strong, this period of waiting. But there may very well be crisis of faith that calls you to question God. God will, Abraham in Genesis 15, God, listen, I'm 90 years old. You made the promise when I was 75. Am I ever going to have a kid? And so he's doing this thing now with his servants trying to change the, you know, the, the, get the genealogical chart started here. Am I ever going to have this kid? You know, they're crisis of faith. But God answers him in Genesis 15. Some of us need to have that conversation with God and say, God, I, I, I just, I've got doubts. Doubt seems to be creeping in. And that conversation, that prayer, can result in a faith stronger than still on the other side as God causes you or calls you once again to look to the signs. In this case, he took Abraham out and he said, look at the stars. And every time you see a star, I want you to remember my promise. Second, God, as I've said this repeatedly, God keeps his side of the promise 
and our side of the promise. And that should build our faith. That should strengthen your faith. To know that it's not dependent upon the strength of my faith. It's dependent upon where I'm looking in faith. It's not dependent upon how strong my faith is. It's dependent on am I constantly, consistently making Christ the object of my faith. And saying, I'm not a very strong person, but I'm looking to you. Boy, I'm filled with doubt and trembling. I'm anxious and I'm strongly tempted, but I'm looking to you. And so, knowing that God is keeping His promise. He's keeping His faith. He's not going to kick me to the curb. He's not going to drop me. He's going to keep me. Even when I'm in sin, He keeps me. And then lastly, note that God did give Abraham a sign. He didn't leave just as He did with Adam. With Adam, He said, this will be the sign. One day a seed is going to come, an offspring, and he is going to crush the head of the enemy that has come between me dwelling with my people. He gave a sign to Noah. He gave a sign to Abraham. And the sign of the rainbow in the sky to Noah has now become, in a very, very dark night, a star. We used to live out west, and traveling around, we would go often to Wyoming and Montana. And Montana has, as its name, Big Sky Country. And when we would camp or be in uh, Montana in the, at night around a, a bonfire, you could walk away just a little bit, from all ambient light, and you could look into the sky, and the stars were so large and so numerous, and yet seemed so close that it just covered, it, it was like the, the dark of the sky and the stars were touching earth. It was, it was like they were just so close and so huge, and we felt so small in many ways and so overwhelmed. But it spoke of a creator. And it spoke of design. And Abraham is encouraged just like we are to keep our eyes in the heavens and to watch the stars and to remember that God has promised that He has called us He is growing us. He's growing us in our faith. And He will keep us forever as His people. You know, the Magi followed a star in the sky. And that star led them to Jesus. And it's my prayer that that we would just remember, even as we look to the heavens, we look to the heavens with faith and confidence that my Jesus... My Jesus, I have rightly placed my faith in Him. Even now there are promises that are yet to be consummated with us, but already we're enjoying the blessings and the promises from the covenant. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, you've given us this table as a sign. A sign that you keep your promises. A sign that you have called us and chosen us. You've set us apart. A sign that you have forgiven us and you've loved us all by keeping your promise of sending your Son. And by fresh faith this morning, we receive Him. We receive Him gladly in our hearts, even as we receive the sign of His presence and His promised return in our mouths through this sign. So Father, let this be a table of celebration of faith begun and continued, but also a proclamation of the time and the feasting and the relationship that we shall have with you forever. This is our prayer. Strengthen us from this table in our faith. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.